Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 89 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Jay, and I hope our chat will ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Jay has a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and started out in a sales role at Rockwell Automation in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but for the last three and a half years has been a STEM ambassador traveling the world to strengthen the STEM pipeline. Welcome to the show, Jay. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the call. Um, yeah, just very, very passionate about getting more students engaged in the STEM fields, uh, helping them understand that STEM is everywhere. So no matter what they're currently passionate about, if they can find the STEM behind that area, they can have a very rewarding career in something that they love and in a way that will make that area of passion um, potentially make the world a better place through it. So uh, I hope more kids will be able to understand that and see that and um, really enjoy what they do and make an impact on um, the world around them. Oh, awesome, Jay. And let's let's go back to when you first graduated and you started out in as a sales engineer fresh out of college. Could you help STEM Nation understand why you chose that route? Yeah, so I did a couple internships with Rockwell Automation and a couple with uh, GE Healthcare. And those experiences helped me really understand what areas of engineering I really enjoyed and what areas I didn't enjoy so much. Um and what kind of fit my skill sets the best. So one of the things that I would recommend to anyone is doing some type of um, strengths analysis. I personally did strengths finders, and that really helped me understand that communication was my my top strength, uh, along with a few others that the, the book uh, recommended. And um, this particular book gave you kind of recommendations on potential careers or different things that you should do uh, in order to continue to leverage that strength. And um, one of them happened to be sales. It's not exactly why I looked into it specifically, but it kind of made me think about that. Is, is this possible for an, for an engineer? Um, and through some experiences in my engineering internships, I was exposed to the sales organization. Uh, and so I took on a few kind of side projects with the sales organization. And what I found was that I really enjoyed being with the product in its final kind of location, uh, helping the customer out. And I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed being part of designing, um, you know, one piece of it. So for me, I was most satisfied when I got to see that in its final place and help the customer uh, implement a solution that would allow them to make their plant safer, uh, more efficient, uh, et cetera. So uh, it just really came down to understanding where I thought I could have the most impact and where I would enjoy myself the most. And uh, fortunately, sales, uh, technical sales roles are a great role. So, Jay, you know, some people out there think, you know, oh, it's a sales role. You think of oh, a slimy salesperson, right? I don't, yeah, yeah. you know, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. I went, I went to school for four years, six years, eight years. I'm not gonna just, I'm not gonna do sales, right? I feel like I'm wasting mm -hmm. my my STEM degree. Could you help STEM Nation understand, you know, what it is you would actually do as a sales engineer? And, you know, are you wasting your STEM degree? 
Yes, actually, I got I kind of thought about that at first. And, you know, I thought of the used car salesman type thing. Um, So you have to understand what kind of sales role you're getting into. So, um, for example, one inside sales and outside sales are very different opportunities. So um, I didn't want to be, you know, I wanted to be out with the customer. So I needed to make sure it was a role that was similar to that. Uh, And the other thing is, depending on which organization you're with. So for example, Rockwell's sales engineers um, are, are required to have a good amount of information. And that's why we only hire uh, engineers for this role. And so the way I look at it, I was the, the quarterback of our kind of uh, presence at these customers. And um, I had to know a little bit about everything and enough to understand what the customer's uh, challenges were and then bring in the right experts to be able to then go a little bit deeper in some of those areas. And um, for me, the role was almost like to show how it's made, uh, which made it very exciting. So every day I was going into different types of manufacturing environments, understanding how these products are made, everything from uh, dairy to uh, had some customers that that made cement blocks, to customers that made um, food and beverage products. So those kind of experiences were just very exciting. And and I felt like I got to learn a lot more about how the industry works. And I got to have an impact on many different industries. So you may not be doing, um, you know, that hardcore design that you did uh, in some of your engineering classes. But that kind of engineering mindset and the thought process of, trying to identify how your products can um, create solutions for these customers is, is still very important. Uh, and so I use my engineering side of my brain every day. And then I also got to use the business side of my brain. So it was a, a very rewarding career that I think gave me a lot of skills that I can now apply to my current role and many other things. Because now I'm solving the problem of how do we get more engineers um, and I'm using my communication skills that I got from sales and other leadership opportunities to help reach more people. So Jay, for STEM Nation, you know, we always talk about all the good things about a position or a job out there, but what's one thing that, you know, you really didn't like about the sales role? So one of the challenges is um, some of the times when uh, a plant is down, (laughs) people are not the nicest when their plant is not producing. Um, Some of these... (laughs) I'm guessing they're they're not, not making money, right? Exactly. And, and downtime can be something that, depending on your industry, can be very expensive. Um, so sometimes it, it, I don't want to say I didn't like it because my part of my role is to help be part of that solution. And, and when you know you have the tools and or at least the resources to call on people that can help you be part of that solution, it's very rewarding. Um, it's kind of like how I look at my current role now. It's, sometimes it's really sad to see kids that are losing their passion for STEM at such an early age, but I reassure myself in the fact that being part of the solution is what, um, you know, is very rewarding and exciting. And so it's not all sad and, and stuff. So there was times where, you know, customers were not the most pleasant, um, and, and, um, that was not, not fun at all. Uh, but usually once we were able to talk about, um, potential solutions and figure out, you know, what their problem was. And if we were, a good part in, in solving it, uh, in the end, you know, things turn out really well and, and, and people in general are nice. Just sometimes in certain situations, it's, it's tough for them to, 
to stay calm. And I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we all do. We all go into this upset condition. And what, what Jay's referring to is, you know, customers got a lines down, right? They're not manufacturing. They're getting pressure inside to get that manufacturing line back up and running. So they're going to push that pressure down to Jay. They're going to be in an upset condition. And Jay comes in, helps solve the problem, gets them up and running, gets them back to a normal state. And actually that you probably have a better customer or a better relationship with that customer after that event. Absolutely. That's a good point. Anytime you can support in those situations and, um, you know, it helps you gain a lot of trust uh, and really helps you prove that you're a true partner. And, and, you know, that goes back to your earlier question about, um, you know, the sales versus the uh, engineering and, and did you lose anything? You know, those type of relationships and situations help that customer understand that you truly are a valued partner and that you're helping them solve problems and not just trying to solve them something. Yeah. And I'm going to say STEM nation and that goes beyond the work environment that goes with any interaction, you know, with any other human in life, you know, friends, family, they're going to get upset if you can help them get to an, uh, you know, a, a normal condition again, and you help them out and you kind of stay calm through that, through that endeavor, you're going to have a strong relationship with everybody in your life. And, and Jay, I want to go back to, you. it was a very subtle comment you made about, I think it was when you were co-oping, and you're looking at the sales side, and you're like, I, I did kind of a side project with the sales group to see if I really liked it. And, that, and that's, I think, really important, because even after you graduate, and let's say you're working full-time, and there's another group inside the company, or, or something else that you think you might want to do, there's, there's usually always that option to go and do kind of a side job with that group to see if you would actually enjoy doing that. So I, I just wanted to bring that out to make sure that, that, that people understood that. And Yeah, 100%. I think it's really important to always, you know, kind of grow your skills in, in different areas. You know, you really want to focus maybe 80% or, or more depending on, um, what your particular role is, but of your kind of education or, or new learning on things that are specifically important to your role at the time. But maybe that other 20, 10, 15, whatever you decide percent of training that you're doing or things that you're researching can be in new areas or, or things that you don't have a direct correlation right now to what your role is, but may in the long term um, either help you in, in a way you didn't know about or help you in a different role in the future that you may not have considered if you wouldn't have started working in some of that. So um, always look for opportunities to, to to become more well-rounded. And you don't have to be an expert in everything, but just dabble enough in some of those areas to get a good understanding. And if it really seems to then start open some potential doors and go in deeper. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, Jay. And, um, you know, you got... Like I say, you probably got one of the best jobs right now as a STEM <laughs> ambassador. Um, in two minutes or less, can you explain exactly what you're doing today? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it changes every single day. <laughs> but in a nutshell, um, there's a couple of main areas that I'm supporting in. Um, one is kind of the strategy and relationships between some of Rockwell Automation's largest philanthropic partners. One of uh, The main one being FIRST, uh, the FIRST Robotics Competition. Uh, we automate the first robotics competition field. So I do everything from helping select the products from that, which I use my previous sales background, to helping get more kids involved and inspiring them to participate or to continue to participate using more of my um, leadership, communication, and sales background. Um, I do a little bit internal to the company as well, helping our uh, 
company have STEM as part of its general DNA, especially in, in the area of volunteerism and helping our employees leverage their awesome skill set to volunteer in a way that makes a big difference in the community and also does a lot for the company. Um, and then last, general STEM advocacy. So speaking at conferences, um, anytime I can get in front of large groups of students uh, or parents or teachers and, and even current engineers, um, I try to do as much as I can to, to find large platforms to talk about STEM. And, and Jay, I've seen you on Instagram and Twitter. What are the best avenues if somebody wants to go, oh, geez, what is Jay doing today? What's the best way then for them to follow you? Yeah, um, so I'd say Instagram and Twitter are definitely the top ones. Um, on Instagram, it's Jay Flores Inspires. And on Twitter, it's Jay Flores 2032. Unfortunately, Jay Flores Inspires was too long of a name for um, <laughs> or Twitter. Uh, Twitter, yeah. Which is, I found out after I changed my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, those are the best. And, and on LinkedIn, of course, I'm on LinkedIn just under my name, Jay Flores. Um, I'm always every day putting STEM content on any of those and, um, you know, anytime, especially when I'm traveling around the world, uh, I like to share what we're doing in other countries as well, because this is something that's universal and uh, I want kids everywhere to have this type of opportunity. Yeah. And if you if you didn't get those those links, you can go to the show notes on stemonfire.com and I'll have all the links in there and the the Instagram and the Twitter handles. So thanks for that, Jay. And. You know, we're going to twist over here a little bit to getting through college, right? In order to do what you're doing, in order to travel the world and, and be a STEM ambassador and, and do what you do, you had to get through college. So, you know, just go back a couple of years. And I, I believe looking at your LinkedIn uh, portfolio, you grew up in Puerto Rico um, and then went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. But what do you wish you knew back then that you think would help STEM Nation get through college successfully? One of the, the most... Um... I think it worked out in the long run because I, I am exactly where I, I, I love being and I chose a great company. Um, but one of the most interesting things that could have been a disaster for me was choosing my major. Um, I didn't really do much research or talk to people prior to getting to the university. I, I knew because of different um, engineering camps that I participated in that I wanted to do engineering and I knew a little bit about a couple of the different categories but I didn't really talk deep about like what it really means to be a certain type of engineer and what kind of classes you'd be taking so at the time when I went to the advisor I thought I was you know at that time I was interested in alternative fuels so I thought I'd be working for one of the auto companies and probably mechanical or chemical engineering. Mm -hmm. And um, I talked to the advisor about that, and she's like, okay, well, you did really well on your IB exams. For those who aren't familiar with IB, it's kind of like a AP testing. Um, if you choose mechanical, you'll test out of all the chemistry. And most, you know, most things you hear from other college students is that uh, college chemistry is super hard. Right. And so in that moment, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'll be closer to graduating. I won't have to take chemistry. This is going to be great. So I chose mechanical. But if you look back to why I tested so well in, in chemistry and was able to test out of those classes is because I loved chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably should have stuck to chemical engineering. 
I, the hardest, um, I, I was valedictorian in my high school and the hardest A, the, the closest thing to getting me, taking that valedictorian away from me was physics, <laughs> which is what I'd be doing in mechanical. <laughs> so in that moment, I, I was only thinking about graduating early and I wasn't thinking about what I actually loved. And, uh, you know, all I could think about was this scary chart that they had of all the classes you had to take and like how you had to do it in order to do it in four years. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Just you know, find your passion, understand which areas of engineering um, apply best to that area that you, you're passionate about um, and go into that. And if it takes you five years, um, that's fine. Uh, and, and I did five and I took a, a, a couple other opportunities to do an extra internship and to study abroad and just really, um, as, again, as long as you can afford it, don't get into crazy debt. But if you can find scholarships or, or you have money saved for college, um, definitely get the most out of it and do it in the area that you're passionate about because that's what's going to help you in the long run. Yeah. And Jay, when, out, in your, out in your travels, when you're, when you're talking to all these kids uh, from all different ages, what are some of the, the big misconceptions out there on why kids wouldn't pursue STEM even though they have the aptitude to do it? Why don't they go down that path? What are some yeah. misconceptions? So one of the the biggest things I see from industry and the way that they fund um, their STEM outreach is that they're putting hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, all over the world into the idea that we need to get kids excited about STEM, and it's usually high school focused. When that money instead should be focused on keeping kids excited about STEM, and it should be at the elementary, middle school age where a lot of these students are already making the decision whether they like science or not, whether they're a math person or not, which is crazy for me to think that people, especially adults, are telling kids that it's okay to not be a math person. Like when a child struggles with tying their shoes, we don't just hand them a pair of Velcro shoes and say, hey, sorry, you're not just the shoe tying person. <laughs> like We help them out. We help them figure it out. And that's what we should be doing in, in this, in math and the other STEM subjects, because they're very important to the future of the world. Um, so I, I think more energy and time and, and money needs to be focused at the early ages so that the students can see that real life connection to their math and science classes before they ask that question, why would I ever need to use this again in my life and don't get a good answer and then decide I don't want to be in STEM. So the more we can do at those ages, the better off we'll be. Um, and, uh, and, and parents can help with that too by encouraging their kids to be very curious. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that parents make is when kids are asking the question why, they don't allow the kid to continue to explore. They, you know, they get frustrated because the kid's asking too many questions or they say um, it's the way it is because I said so and I'm the adult. And that is just from an early age destroying the kind of scientific method and, and thought process for this kid um, very young. And then when it comes time to explore these things, they're not going to have any experience in that area and they're not going to know where to get started. So I think those are the two biggest things that um, industry slash teachers can do and then also parents uh, to help make a big difference. All right. Thanks for that, Jay. And I'm going to go back to the question of what really has you fired up today? Yeah. Um, so I just came back from the first uh, world championship in Houston and the second uh, there's two two weekends of the World Championship. The second weekend is this weekend in, in Detroit. 
Um, and man, we had 40,000 people show up in Houston. Wow. Yeah. Um, the final matches were in Minute Maid Park where the Houston Astros play. So these students um, competing in the, you know, in the Super Bowl of STEM are playing on the field where the World Series, um, you know, team from a couple of years ago was playing. And it just shows that this is this is an exciting sport. Um, the, the stadium was loud. There was fireworks. Um, it was it was awesome. And then this weekend it'll be at Ford Field where the Detroit Lions play. Uh, so STEM truly can be fun when when kids have the real life connections that they're excited about. So the more we can do to help them see real life examples, the more engineers out there we have telling kids, this is what I do and this is why it's important in, in a way that relates to young kids. Because um, sometimes yeah. engineers are really good at making really cool things sound really boring because we yeah. get too technical. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to understand how do we bring that in a way that matters to like an eight-year-old, right? Um, if we do that, well, like this is something that can be celebrated to the level of sports. Um, and I think if our, our society finds a way to do that, um, the world is going to be a much better place because these kids will grow up wanting to be STEM superstars um, and they'll be celebrated that way. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for all that, Jay. So you got some great advice out there for students and for parents. And we're about to close it down here. So we're going to ask for a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah. Um, if, if you're a parent, an adult, whether it's a, you know, a teacher and uh, a current engineer, just someone that's passionate about helping kids, um, just go back to what I said at the beginning and help them understand the STEM around the things that they care about. You know, you can go into any room and say, oh, engineers make this much money and they're really important and our company needs you. And you might get one or two kids that are driven by that, um, but it's, it's not an easy path. So if you instead go in and say, hey, here's some examples of a bunch of different areas uh, where STEM is involved that you may not have known about. And if I can find that STEM in all these areas, I'm sure I could find it in, in the area that you're passionate about. If that student recognizes that, that there's STEM behind what I already love, um, that's what's going to make them kind of take it to the next level. Because... Uh, a student that has those skills in the area that they're passionate about, those are the type of people that change the world. And uh, I'm looking forward to to helping those of you who connect um, kind of find different examples in that way. Uh, and hopefully we can you know, continue to help grow this together. All right. Thanks, Jay. And with that, we will say goodbye. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Jay. You can head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and share with friend. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion in STEM.